0: Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. Welcome to Highways Voices, and after my absence last week due to the lurgy, today we talk building a business
1: on both sides of the Atlantic. I think most members of the public think this is happening anyway. It's pretty remarkable in this day and age that construction activities that are planned well in advance, that actually a lot of money has been invested in, aren't communicated accurately, authoritatively in real time. But actually, by and large, they aren't. And so we're coming in with a solution that solves that problem. The founder of
0: One Network is our guest today as we talk an 11-year overnight success here on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK, Elkrig and Adept. So, James Harris on the way today, talking about business development and a really valuable sharing of his expertise. But first, let's get some of the main news on the highways news website is adrian tatum
2: news from the highwaysnews.com website and newsletter this week a consultation on an ambitious proposals to transform the way people travel in out and around greater cambridge has now opened the greater cambridge partnership is asking people to have their say on changes which would create faster cheaper more reliable bus services running from early in the day to later at night as well as more investment in better walking and cycling routes. From as early as 2023, the partnership is proposing to transform the bus network through more services to more locations with cheaper fares at £1 and £2 per journey. Elsewhere, Dublin City Council has promised to increase joined up cycling, walking and wheeling routes from a current total of 10 kilometres to 210 kilometres within nine years. This is part of its new active travel route. In the city, there will be an additional 90 kilometres of active travel infrastructure when the Bus Connects project is complete, according to the new plan. The council said the plan should mean 95% of people living in Dublin City will be within 400 metres of the network, which will enable them to get around and across the city more easily. It promises the infrastructure will be of a high standard with proper segregation for motor traffic. And a group of Welsh authorities are searching for contractors for their South West Regional Civil Engineering Contractors Framework. The £430 million framework will run from 2023 to 2026, with an option to extend for up to an additional 12 months. The framework will include value-banded and geographical regional lots for civil engineering works, ranging from very small to large works. Work will include special civil engineering works such as demolition, public lighting, lining and road marking, surfacing, ground investigation, marine works, and traffic management. More from Adrian soon in Adrian's Accolade, but don't forget
0: you can keep up to date with all our stories by going to the website or following us on Twitter or LinkedIn and, of course, signing up to our daily email at highways-news.com slash subscribe. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. How do you build a business from nothing into something that's completely dominated one market and is now breaking its way into another? Well, let's find out from somebody who's done it, James Harris is founder and CEO of the roadworks information company One Network. And when we were at the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles, we sat down to have a business conversation discussing how he's built
1: the firm that he founded in 2011. It's one of those overnight success stories with a long backstory. I think the answer in a nutshell is probably tangible value. There's an awful lot of good ideas out there. There's some brilliant startups in the market. There's an, well, there has been an awful lot of venture capital funding behind a lot of them. But one thing I think that has been key to our success is actually delivering tangible value to customers with the solution that we provide, which fundamentally is around digitalizing the entire process around roadworks or work zones, depending on which side of the Atlantic you are.
0: But... It ain't easy. And the reason I say it ain't easy is because I've known a lot of companies as a journalist who have brilliant ideas. They really are very clever ideas. And they're things that either improve road safety, or they make congestion less of an issue. They they manage congestion better. There could be environmental benefits. But you turn up at a local council, and you say, we've got this idea, even if they love it, if it's got a cost, even if it Creates a benefit to society. If there's nothing that they can tangibly write off on their balance sheet, they haven't got a budget for it. So, how did you manage to get them to understand that investing in digitising their roadworks or work zone information
1: that would have a cost was was
0: going to have a benefit for them, and it was worth investing in?
1: Well, I suppose in a sense we've been lucky in that the benefits of digitalizing that process are really quite self-evident so there are some safety benefits to the ability to communicate work zones to drivers and we're doing some really interesting work in florida at the moment rolling our solution out so that people can get alerts in advance of driving into a work zone area you know lane closure ahead in 500 meters those sorts of things there are self-evident benefits around congestion particularly if you've got a, a lot of construction work activity happening in a city centre location actually coordinating that activity making sure that detour routes diversion routes don't conflict with other activities that are going on all of that is self-evident now you have to measure some of those benefits as well and to be able to back up the investment case that needs to be made to invest in solutions like ours but everyone gets it and and the funny thing about what we do I think most members of the public think this is happening anyway it's pretty remarkable in this day and age that construction activities that are planned well in advance that actually a lot of money has been invested in aren't communicated accurately authoritatively in real time but actually by and large they aren't and so we're coming in with a solution that solves that problem and we don't almost don't need to sell the idea to anyone. Everyone gets it immediately. It's obviously got to be better to manage information in that way, but yes, we do have to back it up with a business case and and that's how we've managed to succeed commercially as well.
0: Cuz when I used to run radio traffic news operations and we used to get faxes once a week of local roadworks, but the thing was what we would get was the license from when the roadworks could start to when they could end. But they might be licensed for two weeks but only actually be out on the road for three days so how did we know when the roadworks are actually there i guess the fact that we're recording this on my iphone i've got a, a a device in my hand that i can use for so many different things is that similar that because technology has improved around us you can use everyday tech to actually produce
1: a solution that they need Definitely. yeah. One aspect of our, our solution is enabling the construction workers in work zones to provide real-time updates from the field. And that wouldn't have been as straightforward a few years ago, but now everyone's got a smartphone in their pocket. And with a simple app, with a big red button that you press when you put the first cone out on the road and a big green button that you press when you take the last cone away, we're leveraging the fact that there's this incredibly powerful technology in people's pockets even while they're working and also leveraging the fact that you know we have cellular networks that provide that connectivity
0: someone will be listening to this podcast now who has a great idea and is wondering how they're going to build a business out of it how they're going to get that first client their second client their third client a lot of times when i've talked to people who try and work with local government i use the phrase rush to be second the local authority wants to see That other organisations have done it first, they're kind of reticent because there is a fear of blame in local authorities so did you find when you launched the company and you got your first client and your second client, that there's a domino effect, after a while it became that if you're not in, you're left out
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, bootstrapping a a business like, like mine, particularly when you're selling into local government, where there are many good reasons not to invest in things because budgets are always tight, there was a reluctance to invest before we were a proven solution. What I have noticed, though, is a real change in the public sector on both sides of the Atlantic, especially now that we're launching in the US. We're actually speaking to about 10 state DOTs at the moment. We've launched our solution in Florida The first part of the conversation with all the other nine is that they're slightly disappointed not to be first. So I have seen a real change there, a a greater boldness and willingness to lead the market and to, to be thought leaders in the space. So now you've cracked the UK,
0: pretty much you're moving into florida is it do you find you can just go back to page one of the playbook again and start again and it's a very similar experience or are you finding lots of differences working this side of the pond
1: there are definitely differences and but also a lot of similarities so when we launched in in the uk we were dealing with 175 separate highway authorities across england and wales with no real culture of data sharing in this area, at least certainly around roadworks and streetworks, there was no no real culture of making that information transparent and visible, or even sharing it operationally. And we find that the US has a slightly more complex picture in terms of that disaggregation. Sort of 50 states for a start, but also road ownership is shared among cities and county jurisdictions as well. So it's a hugely disaggregated market and in many areas there is that similar culture of really not sharing information or not having good information in the first place so lots of similarities Lots of differences too. I think there's a greater willingness to take risks among US road agencies. That that's one thing that I think I have noticed.
0: We'll hear more from James in a moment here on Highways Voices after we've caught up with our partners. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations ITS UK, Elcrig, Adept and the Transport Technology Forum. Elkrigs Strictly Highways has brought together a whole highways community including councils, the Department for Transport, academia, industry associations, the supply chain and the media. The event enabled everyone to learn about new innovation and technology, share experiences, receive updates from the DFT and showcase the industry associations. The theme for this year's event which was delivered by the local council roads innovation group was centred around making the case for local roads with a focus on the ideas of innovation, skills, net zero and collaboration. Recapping the event in numbers, there were more than 70 different local highway authorities attending the event in Blackpool, more than 30 speakers over the two days and the event featured more than 50 exhibitors. There were more than 370 delegates attending with 277 hotel rooms reserved for delegates. The event programme featured four panel debate sessions and two updates from ...from the DFT... On the Highways News website you can read about a TTF event which was a meeting of the Spatula Working Group on Connected Vehicles. The meeting at the Utac Millbrook Proving Ground in Bedfordshire featured demonstrations of existing connected solutions that could be used on the highway. These consisted of services that used existing cellular communications to deliver in-vehicle signage, safety solutions, real-time traffic information and GLOSA for signal timing. All the Solutions utilise mobile phone technologies therefore don't require roadside beacons to work and there'll be a video about the event for you which we'll share on Highways News in the next few days. Meanwhile, congratulations to Tim Gammons from Arup on winning the Rhys Hills Award for Outstanding Contribution at the ITS UK Awards in Milton Keynes. Mr Gammons' work has included numerous innovative projects, including the creation of an open marketplace for data and travel services to influence travel behaviour and engage innovation, smart motorway development, mobility pricing and clean air zones. There was also a prize for Project of the Year to Grid Smarter Cities and personal awards went to Ijiro Ikoku of the University of Leeds, Hannah Tune from Transport for Greater Manchester and Richard Quick of Smart Video and Sensing while project awards went to Clearview Technology, Atkins, Accusensus and SVS as well as Grid Smarter Cities. And ADEP's £30 million Live Labs 2 programme funded by the Department for Transport has announced that 30 local authority-led partnerships from across the UK have submitted bids. Applicants to the programme will shortly find out if they're to go through to the next stage where they'll pitch their ideas to a panel of industry experts in a kind of Dragon's Den event on the 4th of November. Live Labs 2, which aims to decarbonise local roads, is focused on achieving zero carbon infrastructure through the whole road life cycle, from construction through to maintenance and decommissioning. Programme trials are due to begin in March 2023 and will last for three years.
2: SWARCO improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software-as-a-service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. You're listening to
0: Highways Voices. Let's get back to our chat with James Harris of One Network. I guess you can look at it one of two ways. You can either get people who are really, really possessive about their own content But then the other side of it is if you're coming along with a solution that means that something they're doing, they can see what the other jurisdiction are doing and make sure that there's not going to be a clash. You're not going to end up with two roads that are running parallel, both being dug up at the same time and absolute chaos. You can sort of spin it either way
1: that they don't want to give up on it. But actually, this is brilliant. Well, it sort of comes back to this business of tangible benefit, actually. And and the benefit realisation of our platform is greater than the benefit perception, if if you get me. It's really, once we've got the solution embedded, people really can't do without it. We today in the UK have 20,000 active operational users on the platform. So those are people who are logging into the system. These aren't members of the public, people who are logging in to access operational components of the One Network platform, and they're logging in every day as part of their day-to-day activity. And that sort of speaks to a network effect within this collaboration platform. There's such a tangible benefit that comes back from sharing data. But yeah, uh, you have to break through that initial barrier of what I call the data huggers. Do you again,
0: as as time goes on, do you find it easier? Because I'm just thinking when you were saying about you can't do without it, it's a bit like my sat-nav. I can drive the same journey every day and i don't use the navigation to navigate me i use the navigation to warn me when there's a traffic jam so i can avoid it because there's nothing worse than suddenly stopping and thinking i could have driven around that so is it a similar thing that now people are using it they're finding that they're using it possibly in ways that you didn't expect they were going
1: to use that's a great question so we've been recently making some changes to the platform to identify different use cases. Because we have a freemium model, there's actually so much value that you can access for free and anonymously. Um, even as a somebody who's using the, the One Network system in the context of, of doing their job, you can do that for free. But we actually, we've made some platform changes in order to identify the range of use cases. So actually we've discovered that convincing solicitors use One Network quite a lot in order to understand major road construction that might be happening around properties that are for sale. All sorts of interesting things coming out of the woodwork. Very, very heavy usage among bus operators. Not only looking at disruptions to bus routes, but actually looking at optimising routes, looking at patterns of congestion over time and patterns of disruption caused by work zones over time. Once you've got a really scale operation and lots and lots of users there's definitely way, ways in which you can use the platform that we would never have thought of. It's interesting you talked about the sort of freemium model and things. And uh, you know,
0: for years when I worked in these different radio traffic news companies, we tended to find that Everyone wanted our product, but nobody wanted to pay for it. And so in the end, we would have to give them it free in return for a bit of advertising. And then we'd monetize ourselves. And basically, we we were an advertising sales house that happened to do traffic information. Now, how do you monetize this? Because if you're giving it to me as a punter for for the traffic, who's actually paying the bills? So
1: the core value from our platform is around planning and digitizing traffic management interventions around road work. So where exactly is that road closure gonna be? Where is the detour route or the diversion route gonna be? What other activities are impacted by that planned works? What what coordination considerations are there in planning it? So in that planning phase, the One Network platform is the tool that the day-to-day operators use to plan work zones. And those operators span utility companies, utility contractors, highway authorities and the contractors who work for highway authorities and really the entire value chain around the roadworks industry. Then there's a cohort of users who provide the real-time updates from the roadside using the app, which I described. And then there are a whole bunch of other tools around monitoring work zone performance, looking at queue lengths and using floating vehicle data in order to assess unusual patterns of congestion and problem areas that might merit sending an inspector out. So there's a whole range of activities that go on within the platform. A lot of those outputs are then shared with the public for free, free at the point of use. And there's actually quite a range of commercial and government operational use cases which only really need the free bit of the platform so freemium works really well for us we we charge the highway authorities the utilities the utility contractors for the operational tools that they use but then we give a lot of free value out to the public out to media organizations out to traffic news broadcasters and and to many others and we have i can't remember now i think it's something like it's certainly over 20 million visitors to the to the public website a year um, so it's got you know, very widespread free usage as well. So
0: is that your tip to our mythical Highways Voices listener who is looking to start off their business and trying to grow it, just be very flexible with your pricing?
1: I think it really helps to have a passion about what you're trying to actually do and for the commercial model to follow on from that. So I was determined to de-silo roadworks information because I could see the value in doing that in the uk and that's how this started and i came up with the idea of attaching a subscription to that service and charging the highway authority and persuading a highway authority to pay for me to take their data and repurpose it was a tough sell initially but actually you know that tangible value that they got from sharing that information and then improving it and refining it by using the tools within the platform meant that you know we came up with what's called in in software as a service terms a sticky solution you know in other words people derive value from it and we don't lose customers I think having a passion for the problem that you're trying to solve is the first thing and then working out what the commercial model is and being prepared to give away value for free are probably useful things if you if you want to be successful. If
0: I look just above your head there is a massive banner for Microsoft and what you said there really struck a chord with me Getting people in a highways authority to pay for something that will help them do their job better is a tough sell. They wouldn't bat an eyelid to buy Microsoft, to buy an office subscription, because everybody does that. It's a weird sort of parallel, isn't it?
1: It is indeed. Uh, and one of, the, one of the big challenges, and one that actually Microsoft has, ha- has had to go through, is that transition from selling a software license and a maintenance service to the software as a service model, which actually is a real win-win for both the software provider and for the customers, uh, because it keeps everyone on their toes and ensures that you have to continually invest in the solution that you're providing in order to stay competitive. So we don't tie our customers into long-term contracts. They pay us on an annually recurring subscription model. And, you know, that's what software is as a service fundamentally is it's a great model and it's certainly something that the the public sector is still only really wrapping its head around in in procurement terms
0: interesting stuff and some great insight into building a business there from James Harris the CEO and founder of One Network our guest on this week's Highways Voices that was recorded at the ITS World Congress in Los Angeles and we'll be bringing you more special podcasts from events in a couple of weeks time when we're at Highways UK join us from the NEC in Birmingham. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. That's almost your lot, but before we go, we just have time for
1: Adrian's accolade.
2: Uh, my accolade this week goes to the team at IOMob. IOMob, short for Internet of Mobility, a UK and Spanish-based technology startup, is expected to launch the world's first seamless mobility technology later this year. After more than three years of research and several pilots, according to the company, the new platform will be integrated into existing transport and mobility websites and apps all over the world, allowing providers for the first time to include third party mobility connections as the mobility development continues across the world. This is very timely, and that's why they're worthy winners of my accolade this week.
0: That'll do it for this week's Highways Voices. Thank you for listening. We'll look ahead to Highways UK on next week's podcast, so don't miss that. Until then, have a good week. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.